Hi, and welcome to the podcast channel, Podcast My Business. And today we have Adam Locum from emersys.com. And how are you today, Adam? Very good. Uh, great to be here, Tony. How are you? Yeah, yeah, pretty good. I, I, I'm, I, are you in North Sydney or you're in a CBD? Based in the CBD. So it's uh, nice and sunny where I am, uh, albeit getting cold in Sydney. Yeah, it is cooler, and this is interesting because I'm in Sydney as well. I'm in North Sydney, and um, online is the way to go. It is the future. It is what people like. Still, face-to-face is important, but some of these things that we're doing now can be done online a bit more conveniently because then you're in your office. You're in your home environment. Absolutely. I think one of the things we've missed from being in the office is just that collaboration, the background conversation, the water cooler discussion. I think Zoom and uh, and all these remote tools were a bit of a novelty for a period of time. I think we're a little bit over them now. So as we've started to be able to open up, a, a mixture is nice. Yeah, absolutely. And it is that mixture. So if you're doing it for a purpose, such as this, but if you're doing it as um, it's a new way of working, you go, uh, I'm not sure about that. That's good. Okay. So I, I guess I wanted to cover a few things with you guys today. And not many people may be aware of you guys yet. Um, so tell us the Emasys story. Perfect. Um, so Emasys, prior to November last year, was an independent company uh, working predominantly with direct-to-consumer brands on customer engagement. So how they communicate, how they engage, and how they eventually activate to transact with their high-value customers. Uh, we were acquired by SAP in November last year, so we become uh, part of the beast, which is SAP, uh, fitting into their customer experience suite. And we've built up quite a successful business around the world, predominantly in retail and e-commerce. Right, okay. So, okay. Uh, um, it's going to be a bit more upfront, but I'll just say, look, we had a year ago that the world turned to um, <laughs> dust. <laughs> yes. You know, you can imagine, anyway, it doesn't matter. So the world turned to dust about March last year. And it impacted all of us globally. It's like I keep telling kids and whatever, look, you are living through history for 100 years. And it's pretty scary when you think about that. But, you know, we're lucky here in Australia. We, we're an island. We're able to shut down and whatever. However, the world of retail and the world of apps has absolutely exploded and apps supporting retail. Um, how do you fit into that? Yeah, it's interesting, right? So in the, as you say, in the context of the world that we live in, many, many horrible things have happened in the last, call it 12 to 18 months. One of the better things that have happened for retailers is that they have had to adjust their strategies around engaging with consumers. When a physical store is closed and that's your only way to generate revenue, that's a big problem. If you haven't got an online presence, if you haven't got a mobile presence. And what we really saw last year was when you talk about retail marketing, there's two factors. There's customer acquisition and customer retention. COVID really did a lot of the customer acquisition for a lot of brands. Um, But what that meant was we were all at home. We were all on our phones. The average consumer spends about three hours a day on their phones. And so it's one of the greatest ways to engage and communicate with customers and eventually get them to become mobile shoppers through an app. Uh, So the rise of apps is huge. You know, we saw uh, 40% of people last year through some research that we ran state that they found it more relaxing shopping with apps. Uh, And about 60% said they'd like retail stores to feel like apps. So this whole customer experience is coming and becoming much more prevalent. 
So when you say a store to fill like an app, you walk in and just press some big buttons and things like that? (laughs) I think when people are talking about that, they're talking about the personalized experience. So walking in and having someone potentially greet you by name, understand your transaction history, looking at the things you've purchased in the past. So product affinity and just really being able to have an experience in there. We're seeing a lot of stores with coffee shops opening within their stores. JD Sports have DJs in their stores now. So it's really an immersive experience rather than feeling like you're walking into a shop. Yeah, and I think it's so many have had to step up to um, the new future. And I think it's, it's basically sped up development over three or four years into 12 months. Absolutely. So, I mean, look, prior to the pandemic in Australia, you'd have an average of 10 to 12% of transactions happening outside of a traditional store environment. So uh, via a website or via a mobile app. Now that's around 20%. So it's really accelerated at kind of double in in a really short space of time. Um, I think that's quite a good thing for the industry. Australia has lagged behind in uh, what we call this omni-channel experience space. Places like the US or UK are well ahead, but I think it's improving and, and that's a good thing. Great. Well, thank you for that wonderful segue. I was going to ask you about omnichannel. It can mean different things to different companies. So what do you mean by omnichannel? Omnichannel for me, look, it's a bit of a buzz term, but for me, omnichannel genuinely means the ability to engage and transact anywhere, anytime, in a location, place, way that is relevant for the consumer. If I, as a consumer, prefer to be in a physical store, that's my channel of preference. But what what brands are really having to do is come up with this kind of commerce anywhere or commerce everywhere type piece, this seamless experience across a brand. Because when you think about customers, as a consumer, I don't think about channels. I think about brands. So if it's an app, if it's a store, if it's a website, if I'm seeing an advertisement on Facebook, all I think about is the brand rather than the individual channel. So the channel is hugely important, but it really just means being available everywhere. Okay. So again, when, when you're talking about apps, are you talking about apps like in the Google Play Store or Apple Play Store or what type of apps are you referring to? Generally, yes. Uh, generally, we have uh, brands that have mobile experiences that are not apps. They're just mobile-ready websites. But individual apps um, have become hugely prevalent recently. You know, Everybody looks at the likes of Netflix or Spotify or Apple TV or these immersive experiences. And what COVID actually did was really accelerate some of those. So if you look at the apps that are growing and have grown over the last 12 months, it's in the areas you would expect. So it's food and recipes, it's beauty and grooming. We're all spending way too much time looking in the mirror at home. So how we, how we groom ourselves sitting on the couch, for example. Uh, fashion is a really interesting one. So people are still concerned with what they wear, how they look, which is one that I, I probably would have thought would have been unexpected prior to a pandemic. Uh, you know, we're all on the couch most of the time doing our Zoom calls, but people are really caring about the way they look and that translates into the way they feel. Um, And of course, toys and games. So toys and games are important. What I find most interesting about the research that we did was there's a huge disparity in the generations. So 30% of 16 to 24-year-olds subscribe to an app. Uh, That drops to 9% when you get to the 55 plus. So you see this real drop off as you go through the generations. My sense is that is likely to change, but that's also as a result of people being more uh, mobile comfortable than others, I guess, in the older generation. Okay, so let's look at the the customer journey. So you're talking about they go into the st- customer goes into the store, they get a personalised experience. Is that because at the moment shopping centres are able to pick up your um, Wi-Fi from your phone? 
is there a way of marrying that to apps perhaps not genuinely with the Wi-Fi itself because the Wi-Fi doesn't actually identify the individual. It identifies the phone. Um, the way that companies are tending to do this is when you transact, you can have things like barcoded uh, receipts. You can have identification at store. So if you make a purchase, someone's capturing your details, which completes the holistic journey of the online and offline consumer. Um, we're seeing some really cool trends in this space as well. So Q Clothing are, are a customer of Amasis. What they're doing is they're looking at customers that are not transacting in their stores. Often if someone walks in, they don't buy something, they walk out, you lose that connection at the point that they leave. But they're using wish lists in stores where they can append the products that you looked at, the categories you were interested in, to your record, and then offer those to you at a later date via a website or via an app, for example. So it could be we noticed you liked the black pants and they were out of stock. You might get an email or an app pop-up that says uh, your black pants are now in stock or there's been a price drop, or come to this exclusive offer, or this exclusive event. So closing the loop of the in-store and the online customer journey is becoming more prominent. Yeah, that's interesting, because I, I remember Amazon uh, are trialing a new way of shopping in the States where you have a chip, maybe a wearable chip or something like that, and you walk in and you press what you want without having to buy the products, and then as you walk out, it's presented to you and billed, without any human interaction as such. Is that a potential outcome of this sort of software? Yeah, I think it absolutely is. You look at the way that the world has adapted, we've now got not only click and collect, we've got contactless click and collect. You can drive up to a Dan Murphy's, let them know that you're there and your order is delivered to the boot of your car within a couple of minutes. Um, we're seeing a lot of apps now become more immersive in experience. So virtual styling as an example, trying sunglasses on your own face or looking at clothing on your own body or makeup with your own skin tone. These types of experiences are really making it more interesting. Mm, okay. So, all right. So where does that leave the future for brick and mortar stores? I think there's certainly still a place for brick and mortar stores. Um, what I see with the retailers we talk to is they're going through what I would call a rationalization of store networks. Do I, as, I don't know, Maya, let's use Maya as an example, really need 50 stores or 60 stores across the country? And Maya is a real example who are actually downsizing their store network uh, as a result of the online consumer. But I think there's certainly a balance because the experience of the touch, the feel, the wanting to see the product, I don't think goes away, uh, but it's supplemented by the online and the mobile experience. So you're still going to have people that turn up to the store, look and feel the product and still buy it online? It's, it's absolutely could be the case. Uh, and I think that means that the way that you would traditionally KPI retail store, which historically was based around revenue, how much money did my physical store make, really makes them experience centers rather than revenue generators. And it's a tough one for retailers to adapt to because there are a lot of fixed costs with a retail store, as you would imagine, that you need to try to recoup. Uh, and then completing that customer journey to understand where the sale was attributed or the original journey was attributed then becomes important to the profitability of that location. Um, I think shopping centers are adapting. I think stores are adapting. Uh, but I also think that there are a lot of traditional omni-channel only retailers that are now moving into brick and mortar as an experience center or a face for their brand as well. So it's going both ways. Yeah, and I think that's, that's an important thing because you still need that connection. And as we were talking right at the beginning, um, being online is good, but having still having those water cooler moments, still having those experiences. And while apps are good, and I've got apps, um, I don't play the games with them anymore, uh, although there's still that virtual that VR one that I always like. I hope it comes back. Uh, 
but yeah, so it's about having that experience, which you just can't quite get with pressings on an app on your phone. No, absolutely. The in-person experience, the talking to a human in a store, the engagement or the background noise, the going from store to store to shopping. Uh, if you look at there's an interesting stat that I read recently that said that 75% of users will only ever use an app once and then they drop off the face of the earth. So three quarters of people that use an app go away after their first use. That's a significant drop off. So without a, without a huge amount of personalization in that app or something that's relevant to the consumer, that's a huge problem. And so that's where it can be supplemented by the brick and mortar experience or the online experience or the social experience. Excellent. Okay. Look, okay, I, with this, so much we could deep dive into. It's like a, a, a pool that's very deep that we're swimming in. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add? There's probably two tips that I'd like to give at the end of this. And the first is, I kind of touched on it at the start. Customers don't think in channels. So don't customers think in brands and not channels. So if you're blasting people with irrelevant emails, if you're sending them content that's not relevant to them, if you're sending them the same content over and over again, you will lose them. Uh, consumers in 2021 are incredibly fickle and they're spoiled for choice. So really try to personalize the experience based upon the data that you have. Aggregate the data, centralize the data, and then make experiences based upon your segments. The second one is around privacy. So it's been well publicized recently. There's been significant changes to privacy laws. Um, Apple's iOS has changed the way that people uh, engage with brands. So the power is now in the hands of the consumer to give you their information rather than the inverse, which was true historically. So try to create the value exchange with individuals to want to give you your data, whether that's invites to exclusive events, whether that's personalized offerings, whether that's something that's relevant to them as an individual. Discounting is one way, but discounting is also a problem because it creates a race to the bottom that I don't think anybody wants to win. It A, cannibalizes your margin, but B, devalues your value proposition. So you've got to be careful about discounts. So for me, it's value exchange uh, and obviously uh, customer channels. Yeah. All right, great. All right, look, thanks very much for your time, Adam. And that's Adam from, um, please pronounce it for me because I've got the pronunciation wrong. Emarsis. Emarsis, there we go. I, I had it completely the wrong way. That's <laughs> E-M-A-R-S-Y-S dot com. Absolutely. Right, thank you.